Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's Ask a Lutheran Pastor topic is, is it necessary to read the Bible? Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes or pick up those knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, I'm going to be honest. I really have no desire to read it cover to cover. Am I at a disadvantage? No. Okay. <laughs> Am I a bad person? No. <laughs> okay. Absolutely not. There is nothing bad, wrong, lazy, any of the things that your brain may suggest for not reading it or wanting to read it all the way through. Okay. It's really okay. Is it actually designed to be read from cover to cover? Just opening up in the table mm-hmm. of contents and reading Page to the one maps? to the end. Mm. It can be. Okay. People have for generations, but it's really hard. That takes a lot of discipline and it doesn't necessarily tell a cohesive. I can't imagine there's a whole lot of flow going from story to story, basically. Not necessarily. We've talked before about how the Bible is a mini library. Yeah, it's like a compilation. Exactly. And the books are not put into chronological order or talking about this. There are so many pitfalls that I can <laughs> I can run into. Yeah. So give me some grace, folks, as you're listening. If I say something like, there's no through line in the Bible. Okay. Yes, there is a through line in the Bible called God's grace and redemptive story. However, if you're looking at it from literary critique wise. Yeah, it's You different. don't have exposition, conflict, climax, conclusion across from Genesis to Revelation. No, that's like trying to find that in an entire library. Right, exactly. You're not going to just walk up to a shelf in the library and have the ability to find a continuous story, even if you have like... It's all science fiction. Right, it's all science fiction. It's still not going to work. Okay. Yeah, so you can read it from Genesis to the maps, as they say, which is opening it up at the very beginning and then ending with the maps in the back of the book. Do you think that's typical? If people are going to say, I'm going to sit down and read the Bible? I think that a lot of people think that's how they should do it. Fair enough. And so that's what they start on. I would get stuck really quick. Yeah. And that's, I think, what really happens is that a lot of people get into Genesis. Maybe they even make it through Exodus. Uh Uh-huh. And Exodus can read a little bit more like a nonfiction book. Okay. And so it can be a little bit more like plot line here. Yay. (laughs) And then then you hit Leviticus. Well, and then you hit Leviticus. Um, Is that the one with a bunch of rules? Yeah. Mm, Yeah. That's fun. That's super. That's some nice light reading. (laughs) Super fun. And so people kind of get stuck. Sure. And may not make it. Some people will start with the Gospels and they'll like start reading it through. They'll just say, I'm going to read the New Testament. Okay. And they'll start with the Gospels, and they get through Matthew, and then they'll get to Mark, and then it's like, well, this is just repeating. This is so boring. So maybe they'll skip ahead to Luke. Second verse, same as the first. And it's still the same story. And so people get, like... Stuck that way. Yeah. Okay. Has somebody come up with a, if you're going to read the entire Bible, here's a decent way to do it? Like, start with this, then move to this, and move to this? Dozens. And they vary wildly. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. And so this is where we get into, you know, way back early in our podcast, we talked about publications versus mm-hmm. interpretation versus translation kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And 
this is one place where publishers can really make a buck or two by suggesting different ways to read through the Bible in a year. Oh, fascinating. Right. And I'm not trying to be cynical about scripture publishers trying to make a buck. I'm just being honest and kind of looking at it and saying, well, yeah, you can have 25 different pathways through reading the Bible in a year, and then you've got 25 different publications that you can sell. Is it something that you recommend as a pastor, reading the Bible all the way through? I have never personally told someone, you should read the Bible all the way through. (laughs) Okay. Um, Personally, I've never said that. Now, again, plenty of people out there would tell me that that's really awful of me. Sure. And that I'm leaving my people in a lurch for never having enforced that. During my first call, we had a time period where we did start to do, as a whole congregation, read the Bible in a year. That was going to be another question of mine. Have Mm -hmm. you ever done it as a congregation? And we tried, and it was a lot of work putting out the readings, and because we didn't do it Mm -hmm. straight through, let's start in Genesis and end in Revelation. Like, we didn't do that. We didn't start with the New Testament. It was Mm -hmm. one of those many different reading plans where they give you three different readings to do in a day. And Mm -hmm. you get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And by the end of the year, you've read it all. I mean, this was 10, 12 years ago. So this was before Facebook Mm. really had taken off. I know it seems weird. Mm -hmm. But so we had an online forum. Oh, I was moderating all the time. So putting up the readings, saying what they were going to be, and then monitoring to see if people actually engaged and talked about the readings and wanting to make certain that people were posting appropriate things and that the, it was just bad. It was so bad. That's making reading the Bible that much more work for somebody else. Well, if you're just participating, it's not that bad. Okay. But as the facilitator of the project, it's a ton of work. Mm -hmm. It's a ton of work. And so to be honest, when the congregation had dropped out a quarter of the way through, And I'm spending tons of time on it. It just doesn't seem like a great investment of your investment in pastoral leadership. And so now I've never, since then, I've never said to a congregation, hey, let's do this together. (laughs) Sounds like a great idea. Sounds like a great idea. Let's everybody do this. And I'm going to spend all my time monitoring this and talking about this. And none of you are going to actually follow through except maybe one or two of you, which it could be really awesome for one or two of you. So maybe it's worth it. But It's a lot of time. And so now it's kind of a personal thing. If someone wants to do it on a personal level and they feel called to do that, I'm happy to help them find and locate a resource to guide them through. I don't necessarily spend a lot of time offering that out, if that makes sense. Fair enough. Well, then if you were to read it, where would you recommend starting? I think it depends on how long a person has been a person of faith. Oh, okay. If there's someone who is new to Christianity and new to the faith, I will recommend that they start with Mark. Okay. Because it's the fastest and the shortest of the four Gospels, and it's enough of a storyline that it feels like you're reading a storyline. Like a traditional storyline. Like a traditional storyline. So there's exposition and conflict and then resolution, right? So. Uh It reads like a traditional story, so it's a little more familiar of a style for a person to read. There are clear characters that you can engage with the character story arc. Sure. And so that makes it a little easier. But it's also the shortest of our four Gospels. It's also the earliest of our Gospels. Okay. And so I can give them that information and give them just a little more information about, like, 
that our scriptures are not published in chronological order. So I can start to teach Mm -hmm. a little bit more about what the Bible is like Mm -hmm. by making that recommendation. And then if you enjoyed that, Mm -hmm. if you like this, try this, then you can read Matthew and Luke and understand those are going to be very similar, but slightly different. So then their eyes can be looking for what the differences are. Sure. Rather than being bored by the similarities. Okay. And then they can move on to John. All of that for a couple reasons. One, it starts them in the basics of who Jesus is. Sure. And the story of Jesus and why that matters. They can start seeing the differences between the Gospels and understanding why that might matter or what difference that makes. And also, again, it keeps it all in a genre where there is definite plot and through line to the stories. Okay. I like having folks start with Mark also because they're typically successful. Oh, they'll actually get through it. They'll get through it. Okay. It's the shortest of the Gospels. And so they'll actually get all the way through Mark. And once you have that feeling of success, like, oh, I can read the Bible. Yeah, there's nothing worse than being set up for failure. Right? I would never start someone in Leviticus. <laughs> no, that's right? just unkind. It's just, it's just mean. It's not good. Or numbers, even. So there are beautiful things in those, but it's just not... Mm-hmm. It, You need to have a self-discipline to get through those that someone who's maybe new to the faith or hasn't read this kind of literature before could have a lot of challenge with. So I want to set them up for success. Okay. And so we start with Mark, maybe move on to the Gospels. And then I might say, if you still want this kind of a story, let's check out First and Second Samuel. Oh, In the Old Testament. Because when you go back to the Hebrew scriptures, some of them read more like storylines than others. Okay. And first and second Samuel read like soap operas. Okay. So you can really get, again, that character arc. Mm -hmm. You can get main characters. You can understand intrigue. There are some really bizarre things that happen in there. Well, in some of that Old Testament stuff, you've actually heard the stories, whether or not you realize that it's coming from the Old Testament. Right. So it's kind of like I was learning German, and so I would read the fairy tales because I sort of knew the stories. Yep. And I felt like I was on familiar ground. Exactly. You know, I could send them back to Genesis. I could send them back to Exodus. But the familiar parts of those stories are kind of... Not buried, Mm -hmm. but they're kind of deeper in and there's a whole bunch of stuff around them. They're muddied. That might slow them down. So like a whole genealogy section where it's Mm. name begat, name begat, name begat, Mm -hmm. name is kind of boring to wade through and finally get to Noah and the Ark. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to get another like genealogy section. Mm -hmm. And so if you have someone who's intent upon reading a book straight through from chapter one to chapter whatever... I like to give them places where they're going to succeed. Sure. And I find Mark, the Gospels in general, Mark, Matthew, Luke more so than John. John can get really hard to wade through in the beginning. Mm -hmm. First and second Samuel are great. Ruth is great. Okay. Because it's a through line. You could do Jonah because that's got a nice through line. And a whale. And a whale. You could do Job, but Job is hard. If you Mm -hmm. have someone who has a a hard life and Mm -hmm. you could go to Job with the nice through line. And then I might suggest something that's more poetic. Like, okay, and then to introduce you to stuff that's not necessarily a plot line driven part of our book, let's look at some Psalms. Okay. But I'm not going to say read the entirety of Psalms. 
I'm going to teach about how Psalms is broken into five books. Okay. And say, so choose one of the five books and read through that entire set of Psalms, one after another. Okay. And maybe keep a journal. That was one of my favorite assignments in seminary, was to read through an entire book, one of the books of the Psalms, and keep a journal as I did it. Huh. I hated the assignment at the time. I thought it was stupid. I'm not a journaler, so I'm right there with you. Right? thought it was so awful. And it was one of the most impactful assignments I've ever had in a biblical studies course. And so that's the way I kind of approach it. And then maybe I'll introduce them to a letter. Okay. And find a letter that is going to speak to that person's interests and then set them loose and say, okay, so you've gotten a taste of all the different kinds of writings. Go ahead and take a look and see what else you find. Understanding you're going to find some sections of the Hebrew scriptures that are really, really violent Mm -hmm. and understand that you're going to get some sections in the New Testament that sound really, really weird. Mm -hmm. But if you start and try to go cover to cover, sometimes it just can get to feel a bit overwhelming. Okay. People have done it for generations. I'm not going to downplay that. There are thousands and millions of people who have read it cover to cover. And well, and there are some people who that's just the way they're going to do it. Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong in that. If you're curious about doing this and you've not been successful, then there are other ways to go about it. And there's nothing wrong in having one of those books that gives you a reading a day to get you all the way through it. I have one in my office that was given to me around the time of my baptism. And I didn't make it all the way through that book, but I might have made it three months. Sure. And that was a really long time for me. As a 18, 19-year-old student, having never read anything of the Bible before. That's pretty impressive. And so those books can be really good. You just need to find the right flavor that's going to suit your needs. Sure. So now then, for somebody who has been in the faith a while, do you have a particular place for them to start? That's a great question. Probably I would need to have a conversation with them. To figure out where they are. You really would tailor it that much to the individual I would want to. I mean, if someone just came at me and said, hey, I've been a Christian for 35 years, but I've never read the entire Bible. Where do you recommend I begin? Uh I would probably say the same thing. Start with the Gospels. Sure. Or begin with the Greek New Testament. Go ahead and get on through that and then head on back into the Hebrew scriptures and would want to check in. Okay. If they were coming to me as a pastor to ask about it, I would want to check in and say, well, what's your goal on this? Why are you wanting to do this? Mm -hmm. That kind of a piece. I think we hold ourselves oftentimes to such an idea of perfectionism that I would want to be able to say, you know, when you get to Leviticus and you start reading about how to properly sacrifice a a bull or a ram for somebody's ordination... If you scan that section, it's really okay. It has <laughs> nothing to do. Is fine. Right? It has nothing to do with your salvation or your faith or your worthiness or your whether or not God is going to love you if you skim and don't read every single name in every single genealogy that comes across in our scriptures. Sure. And even if a person of faith of 30, 35 years could use that reminder of grace. Uh But again, there may be other traditions for whom everything that I've just said is completely anathema and really, really offensive. Because when we start talking about reading the Bible, people start to get 
really, really opinionated. Sure. Which is where a lot of this expectation of worth or unworth or those kinds of things, self-judgment and shame start to play when we start talking about, should I read the Bible? Sure. Well, then let's widen this out. What about other religious texts? Would you recommend somebody seeking out other religious texts and reading them for any particular reason or for a specific reason? If they're curious, absolutely. Okay. There's nothing wrong in exploring what other people find sacred. You I would or- almost say there would be value, especially if you have questions. Yeah. And I'm thinking about how in America, Muslims specifically are being viewed. Mm-hmm. Perhaps before you go casting judgment, you should take a look at what their religious text may be. Absolutely. Contain. And I would say even, you know, looking at the Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. looking at the Quran, looking at these other sacred texts and trying to read or understand or learn about them is good. Mm-hmm. I will say, as long as the purpose of your heart is to understand. Sure. Oh, sure. Not to find ammo No, because you can proof text anything. Anything. And that's not helpful. Exactly. For those who don't know what proof texting is, that's finding a specific line in a text and using it to prove your point. Mm -hmm. Completely out of context, completely out of cultural context, literal context, literary context. And we do that a lot. Yes, we do. And... If you choose to read someone else's sacred texts in order to proof text why they're evil, then I would recommend spending more time with what your intentions are Mm -hmm. rather than reading the texts. If your texts are seeking compassion and to understand the sacred practices of other people, then go for it. Check it out. It's not going to harm you. It's not going to do anything evil to you to learn what other people believe. Excellent. Okay, then last question. Is there any part that you would suggest skipping? (laughs) Possibly Um, Leviticus or numbers as you've thrown out there as being rule-based? And there's the whole bunch in the Hebrew scripture that can get really, really, really violent. um, Oh, okay. And really kind of nightmare-inducing in certain sections. I would say... Like, I wouldn't necessarily recommend skipping these things, but I would recommend don't eat spaghetti with tomato sauce while you're reading Leviticus. Oh, my. Did that during seminary. Oh, no. Don't recommend it at all. And if you personally have a history of sexual violence, Uh there are sections of the historical books in the Hebrew scriptures that you would do well to be feeling strong and confident. Oh, sure before you were to read it. There is a a lot of sexual violence in the Hebrew scripture. And so just being aware of that Uh as you step towards reading those could be important. Sure. And could be helpful. But there's nothing I would say skip. It's all part and parcel of our culture, who we are, and commentary on human existence. Sure. Somebody deemed it sacred somewhere down the line. And it teaches us something. Mm Mm-hmm. These things teach us something. It doesn't mean that they're great. <laughs> I mean, they could teach us how to not be jerks, right? Sure. It, it teaches us something. And so there's nothing in particular I would suggest skipping. All right. Fair enough. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to answer our question. 
I look forward to sitting down with you another day on another topic. As do I. And thank you for joining us. You can find us on iTunes where you can subscribe and leave a review if you are a regular listener. We would love to hear from you. And you can email us at podcast at centralportland.org or find us on Facebook. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.